0: Happy Eucharistic Revival, thank you. As we know, we are in the midst of a Eucharistic Revival here in our nation, and we are very blessed here in Dearborn County, and I mean this, because of the great devotion that we show to our Lord. If you're a Catholic who lives in Dearborn County, you don't know that we believe that Jesus Christ is truly present, body, blood, and soul, and divinity behind this tabernacle. Just so you know, that's what we believe. If you don't know that we believe that in all seven churches and the Perpetual Adoration Chapel and the Rectory at St. Teresa that God himself lives there, he does. The reality is, is that the very presence of God is with us. Because our God doesn't lie and he says, this is my body and this is my blood and it's poured out for you. We also, thanks be to God, we spend time adoring Jesus whether it be in our 24-hour adoration chapel here at All Saints, or the 12 hours of adoration on Tuesday at St. Lawrence Wednesday, at St. Teresa Thursday, at St. Mary's. Not to mention the, the other ways that we show our devotion and our love to our Lord who is present. Our trying to keep Mass solemn and sacred and reverent. Our emphasis on going to confession so that we're not in the state of mortal sin we receive our Lord in Holy Communion. We do all of these things because we believe that he is in our midst. In the National Eucharistic Revival, there is an emphasis on three aspects of the Eucharist. Number one, his true presence among us. Number two, the sacrifice of the Mass. Clearly, hopefully, the 14 Stations of the Eucharist, and also a lot of the preaching and catechesis that Father Mahon began when he was with us, and now Father Hollowell. The Mass is the representation of Calvary. The Mass is not just a common sharing meal. It's not just us gathered around a table. It is the, it's Calvary itself. Because Jesus becomes present on the altar, transubstantiation, when he is offered to the Eternal Father— We are present at Calvary, because that's what Jesus did on Calvary. He offered his life to the Father. And we are able then to offer our sacrifices, our sufferings, our crosses to that. Hopefully you heard Father Hollowell's striking homily a few weeks ago about the importance of us uniting our sacrifice to Jesus. Every single one of you has a cross. Every single one of you is suffering. Every single one of you is carrying burdens. And the beauty of being Catholic is that we're not afraid of that. We take that cross and we unite it to what's on this altar because it's God and Jesus offered his sacrifice to the Father and we have the opportunity to do the same. Presence, sacrifice, and the third aspect of the National the Arrival is communion. Not communion solely in the fact that we receive the body and blood of Jesus, which we do, praise the Lord, but also the fact that If we understand that Jesus is truly present, and if we go and we offer and unite ourselves to the one sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that should change the way that we live. It should make us live radically differently than the rest of the world does. Our gospel passage today, Jesus says this, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, we believe that Christ is truly present at Mass. We know this emphatically. Like, there is never—there should never be a doubt in your mind of like, gosh, was was, was Jesus present in the Blessed— no, no, he's always present. In the, if you have a validly ordained priest and he says the right words, no matter if the music is bad or the preaching is bad or the church is ugly, like, he is validly ordained priest. He says the right words. It is a valid—Jesus is present, okay? The same is true, like, if you have water— and you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whether that's a mom, a grandma, a priest, a bishop, an archbishop, the cardinal, or the pope, that person is baptized. Like, we believe with certitude, we, we, we know that God is present. We know that when we read God's word, God is present. Right? Now, there's other places where God is present, which sometimes we don't have certitude. For example, I can I believe that God is present in nature. But every single time that I go outside and I look I look outside if I don't like evoke that or call that to mind like is God's is God being present to me if I'm not somehow evoking that? Our gospel passage today talks about a way that Jesus is present where two or three are gathered in my name, I will tell you that the majority of my teenage years and my college years, when I was with two or three other people, the last thing that I was doing was invoking God, and God was not present. I didn't want God present. I wanted God out from what I was doing at that moment in my life. So it's not the the fact that every every time that two people are together, that God—yes, in the fact that God is omnipresent, but very different than what we believe about the sacraments. But it is true— That when two people are gathered in the name of the Lord, that God is present. That is true. And it's something that we as Catholics, in the midst of this Eucharistic revival, if we're going to come and worship Jesus, if we're going to come and do a holy hour, if we're going to come and receive communion worthily, if we're going to try to live our lives in a pious and a devout fashion, it then has to affect all of our relationships. Where two or three are gathered in my name. Where two or three are gathered in my name. In three weeks from today, on October 1st, we're going to be opening at All Saints Parish a new ministry known as Our's Cafe and Meeting House. I want to make it very, very clear why are we opening a coffee ministry in Dearborn County. And it has exactly with what our gospel passage is about today, where two or three are gathered in my name. Because the reality is that our worship of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament has to then transform our life and other people's lives. And the way that the gospel grows is through conversation and through discipleship, but we have to actually put that into practice. We actually need to love other people. We need to welcome other people into conversation, which will then change their life. So that takes us to our first reading today, by the way, which is awesome. I love this reading from the book of Ezekiel. This reading from the book of Ezekiel is about being a watchman. And God is saying to Ezekiel, I have set you as a watchman for the house of Israel. If you hear me say anything, you need to go and tell other people what I've told you. And and then, then God says, If I tell you this, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not then speak or dissuade the wicked from their way. When the wicked die of their guilt... I'll hold you responsible for their death. If there's people in our lives that are doing wicked things, and we don't go and warn them, on the day of their judgment, who will be held responsible? Us. Why? Because they're most likely ignorant. Then he continues. But if you warn the wicked, trying to turn his way, and he refuses to turn from his way, he shall die for his guilt, but you will save your life. We as Catholics refer to what is known as the, as the corporal works of mercy, right? Hopefully you have them memorized. We had a jubilee year of mercy in 2017, right? We feed the hungry. We drink to the thirsty. We clothe the naked. We shelter the homeless. We visit the sick, bury the dead. We, we have the corporal works of mercy. There's also what's called the spiritual works of mercy. What are two, two of the spiritual works of mercy? Admonish the sinner and instruct the ignorant. We're supposed to be telling people that don't know what they're doing is wrong, that it's wrong. And we're supposed to be encouraging them and instructing them in the ways of the faith. Where does that happen? Not by us standing on a street corner and yelling at people and telling them they're going to hell. It happens through loving relationships where you engage someone and you actually disciple them and help them on their way to eternal life. And where does that happen? Where two or three are gathered in my name. Now here's what's amazing— this reading today from the book of Ezekiel, no joke, is the reading for the feast of St. John Vianney on August 4th. The church chose out of any other reading in the biblical passage, in the, sorry, in the Bible, for Ezekiel chapter 33 to be the first reading on the feast of St. John Vianney. Why? Because what did St. John Vianney do? He believed in conversion. He believed in that he was called by God to instruct the ignorant, to admonish the sinner, and to bring people to conversion and renewal and new life in an unbelievably powerful way. As we know, our coffee shop ministry is is being called Ars, A-R-S, not like a pirate. Ars is a small, insignificant town that nobody knows about in France unless you know who St. John Vianney is. I was just at World Youth Day, and every time that I would meet somebody from France, which was quite often—there's a lot of French people that go to World Youth Day, particularly when it's in Europe—I would walk up and be like, oh my gosh, you're from France. Do you know St. John Vianney? And they'd be like, no, never heard of him. Have you ever heard of ours? No. Never. Of course, they would say it with, like, an outrageous French accent. but. I did meet one guy, we was walking on the streets late one night, and I was like, Hey, uh, you're from France. My favorite Saint-Jean-Vianney, have you, do, do you know saint jean He's like, Oh my gosh, it is unbelievable. You know Saint-Jean-Vianney? And I'm like, Yes, I love Saint-Jean-Vianney. I've been to Ars. You have been to ours? That is incredible. It was awesome. I was just telling you, clearly one of the highlights of World Youth Day for me this past year. Now, we're calling our cafe ours. Because St. John Vianney, in his lifetime, in a small town that nobody ever heard of, changed the world. The French government, right after the French Revolution, which was an atheistic, God-hating, Catholic-killing revolution, so many people were going to ours to have their confession heard by Saint John Vianney that the French government laid down railroad tracks to get people there. People would wait three days to go to confession because it took so long. Because so many people were in ours every single day wanting to go to confession. Saint John Vianney would hear confessions from 14 to 16 hours a day. And it changed the world. He is the patron saint of priests for a reason. And I believe that God is inviting us in a very real way. We as a parish community that do worship Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, that strive to do what we can to honor him and to glorify him. And I am so blessed, and so is Father Hallowell, to to be edified by your faith and by your devotion and your love of our Lord. But God is also inviting us to live in a very true sense a way of community, and a way of invitation, and a way of discipleship that we're, that we're not doing. Right now, I want you to look to your left or to your right. Literally, I want to see your head move. I want you to look in front of you and behind you, literally turn your head all the way around. Turn your head all the way around. If you're not doing this, you're being disobedient. Okay, raise your hand, not the person that you came to Mass with, but raise your hand if you know the first and last name. Of every single person to your left, to your right, in front of you, and back behind you. Raise your hand if you know them. Do it. That's embarrassing. That's absolute—because what, what does our second reading say today? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love your neighbor if you don't even know their name? How do you love your neighbor if you've never had a relationship with them? How do you love your neighbor if you've never had a meal with them? How do you love your neighbor if, do you, your neighbor if you don't even know where they live? We can come to Mass, and we can worship Jesus, and we can receive the Blessed Sacrament, which we need to do, which is essential, which is quintessential to your salvation, and you need that. But if we don't gather two or three in the name of the Lord, and in the name of the Lord, live our faith, we're not Christians. God wants to invite us to something different. And in a world of apathy and minimalism and mediocrity and isolation, I mean, you, you, you all watch the news, where one of the biggest problems plaguing our world is depression and suicide? Why is that? Because we're not loving our neighbor! Why are grown adult men killing themselves at a rate that they've never seen before? Why? Because they're lonely. They're isolated. They have no relationships. They have no one that loves them. And whose fault is that? Ours. It's not their fault. Oh, they have a mental illness. They're probably on drugs. No, it's our fault. We're not knocking on their doors. We're not saying, I have something that you need, and it's called Jesus. I have something that you want, which is called community. I have something which you need and long for, which is Jesus. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. In the midst of Eucharistic revival, God is calling us to live differently. He's calling us to act differently. He's calling us as a church to do something that other people aren't doing because he wants us to be saints, and he wants, I truly believe, southeastern Indiana to be a beacon and a light and a refuge. So we pray. We pray through the intercession of St. John Vianney. We pray for revival and renewal. We pray that God's grace may do amazing things. At the end of Mass today, after the St. Michael prayer, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself to the people around you. And some of you are going to hate me, and I'm fine with that because a lot of you already hate me anyways. Just to give you one more reason, right? I'm going to, inv- I'm going to invite you to invite people to your house. Why do you have a house? Why do you decorate your house? for yourself to look at it? Isn't that weird? Or do you have a house and a table at your house to actually bring people out of isolation and loneliness and actually invite people into community? Because that's what God wants. That's how a revival starts. A revival starts with us, a revival starts now, and a revival starts when we stop living how we have been living and choose to live differently. Through God's grace, maybe so.